0: It's good to see you again. Thank you for being here this morning. You could have stayed at home this morning and heard better preaching on television. But you'd have not been with better people, would you? And so, It's good to get to be here with you. I'm grateful for this opportunity. The passage this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah chapter 15. We'll begin reading in verse 16. So if you have your Bibles, turn to, or your iPad or your phone, turn to Jeremiah chapter 15. And when you found Jeremiah chapter 15, you stand and follow silently in your Bibles as I lead us from mine. Beginning in Jeremiah chapter 15 with verse 16. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. Thy words were found by me. and. I ate them, and they became a joy, and thy word became a joy and a delight of my heart. For I have been called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. I did not sit in the circle of merry-makers, nor did I exult. Because of thy hand upon me, I sat alone. And Thou didst fill me with indignation. Why has my pain been perpetual, and my wound incurable refusing to be healed? Wilt thou become? Indeed, wilt thou become to me like a deceptive stream with waters that are unreliable? Then God answers Jeremiah, Therefore therefore the the word of the Lord, or, or the Lord therefore said in some translations, If you will return, I will restore you, and before me you will stand. If you will extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. And they for their part may turn to you. But as for you, you must not turn to them. Let's pray together. Thank you for your word, O oh Lord. We pray now for Don and Gail that you might bless them as they're with their, grand, their children and grandchildren. We pray you'll keep them safe as they travel back to this great church. And Lord, as we come before this text, we come like David in Psalm 119 and say to you, Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from thy law. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. One of the leading, one of the CEOs of one of the leading employment agencies in America is a woman named Vedette Vedette Vanderoad. She's has an Ivy League education in in uh, journalism and upon graduation got her first job with CNN. And she was excited to be in that rarefied air and just knew that it would only be a matter of months or weeks before she was announcing major world events on your television at home every evening. But when she reported for work at CNN, she found that CNN had just began a partnership with Delta Airlines. And the commitment that the company, <coughs> the broadcast company, CNN, the cable news network had made was that, that they were gonna print and give to every child on Delta Airlines for an indefinite period of time, a coloring book with, with, with colored pencils to use while o- in flight. And Vedette's job was to sharpen pencils. She said it takes exactly 436 pencils to burn out the motor in an electric pencil (laughs) sharpener. She found that her job was nothing like what she expected. There is a term we use without understanding its origin. She had bought a pig in a poke. That is an old English term that refers to buying a pig without seeing it in a sack, what you and I grew up calling a a toe sack, Seeing an animal in a sack, being able to tell there's an animal in there, being told it's a pig, buying it as a pig, taking it home, finding it's a dog. She's bought a pig in a poke. That's what Jeremiah is saying to God in this passage. I bought a pig in a poke. You see, Jeremiah has been called to preach. And if you go back into the early chapters of Jeremiah, you'll see the excitement in his call to preach. He's called to preach about 626 B.C. At the time he's called to preach, Homer has completed the 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 iliad and the odyssey and he's begun to be famous for it in china we find that people are beginning to use geometric patterns in their artwork for the first time in greece there is a greek philosopher named hesiod who by the way farmers wrote the first western manual on how to farm and that's what's happening around the world when Jeremiah is called to preach. He preaches a little less than 40 years, dies in Egypt. He was in the ministry a little less period of time than I've been in the ministry. Now, he, in this passage of Scripture, he's called to preach. And when God calls him to preach, God comes and says to him, Look, it's going to be great. You're just the man I'm looking for. You can go back and read God's call to Jeremiah. You just, I've been waiting on a man like you. Have I got a spot for you? Oh, boy, this is, you're going to have an international ministry. People all over the world are going to know about you. you it's going to be good. It's going to be, I'm going to take, I got you back no matter what happens, God says. It's going to be good. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to see that, that, that you have a powerful ministry, and it's going to be exciting. Jeremiah's young. He's, he's never been married. He's not, he, he goes through life unmarried. So he can travel. He's got the world open in front of him, and now he's come to the point where he says, I bought a pig and a poke. This isn't what you told me it's going to be. This isn't like you said it was going to be. This job isn't right. You see, he's been been thrown in a well. He's been beaten with fists. He's been rejected. And and you'll read what's what's funny in this passage earlier in it. He says, look here, Lord, they're treating me like somebody that owes them money and won't pay. Or worse, Lord, they're treating me like somebody that loaned them money and they're not going to pay. They're treating me awful, he says. This isn't, you, you didn't tell me about this. And he's complaining to God. It gets bitter. He's pouring his heart out to God. He's saying, God, I had great expectations, and, and now I've all, only got great frustrations. A little more than two years ago, my wife was diagnosed. With cancer, and you prayed for me and for her. And about five months ago, she died. And I understand, and you do too, what Jeremiah is saying. Jeremiah is saying, Look here, God, you promised, you promised. I mean, I read, God, where you said, by his stripes we are healed. I read, God, where you said, if two or more gathered together in thy thy name, your name, Lord, there were you in the midst of them. But, Lord, it didn't turn out that way. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. I've been trusting you, Lord. I've been doing it like you said i I trusted you, I prayed about it before I married her, and she's been unfaithful. I thought I was following your lead you You were supposed to be guiding me what what jeremiah is, is is saying lord how why aren't you answering my prayers our prodigal is still out there in the pig pen and and the scripture said that if we raised him right he wouldn't turn away from he he'd, he'd come and and follow you in the end and yet lord he won't leave the pig pen lord i, I our sunday school class is praying we've had a healing service but but the chemo isn't working lord My husband won't lead. My wife won't submit. Why aren't you answering my prayers? You promised. That's what Jeremiah is saying in this passage. Now, in my experience, and I know many of you have had the same experience, I feel that in the past months, I've been down in a deep, dark mind. And the only thing I've been able to see comes from the light of God's Word, I mean, it has shone just right in front of me for each step. And from time to time, I come back up into the light, and I find wonder of wonders. I find that from the depths of that dark mind, there are treasures that I've brought up precious jewels that I've dug out, wonderful things that God has given me. It's enough to make it worth it to go back down there again. I just want to share with you some of the lessons from this text that God's used in my life, and I you've heard me preach before you know this isn't going to be deep or interesting but you've heard me preach before you know this will be short here's the first lesson you can afford to be honest with God Jeremiah is gut-level honest. This is a raw honesty that oozes from an open wound. This is an honesty that's a little bit frightening. I were, if I were there, I'd say, well, hold on, Jeremiah, slow down. Be careful here. This is God you're talking to. This is a, this is a, a, a prayer that, that's poured out of Jeremiah's wounded heart. What, all that's inside, and there's no filter on it. It, it comes out. in 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 raw words and he's 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 saying hard things to god i recommend that to you total honesty with god two things about being honest with god i'd i'd tell you first god can take it he can manage with your honesty he can he can manage it our parents can't take the kind of honesty from us god can our children can't take the kind of honesty from us that God can God has been God has been listening to the honest complaints of his children for millennia you can hear Moses complain to God in Exodus 15 I was faithful but you weren't you can hear Elijah's complaint to God in 1 Kings 19 I did right and you let all my co-workers get killed and now they're going to kill me what's the matter God you can hear you can hear Jonah's complaint to God. I've, I've got a good reason, God, to be mad at you in Jonah 4. You can hear Isaiah's complaint to God in Isaiah 63. You left me by myself. You said you'd always be with me, but you've left me alone. You can even hear John the Baptist's subtle complaint to, to God, to Jesus. And I know you've been studying that with your pastor. You can hear John the Baptist said, say, Are you the expected one, or should we look? for someone else. And in the definition of that word, someone else is the the thought of another kind. Is there a better Messiah than you? You can hear John the Baptist complaints to God. God can take it. He's been listening to his people complain for a long time. You can can be honest with God. You can pour out a raw heart. You You can tell him just exactly how you feel. There's a second lesson about being honest, honest with God. And that is this spirituality requires honesty. You and I listen to too much Christian music. By the way, that was great this morning. <laughs> but we're, we're too quick to turn on that radio station and hear that song, God is good, all the time. Yeah, but sometimes I'm going to tell you folks, You be honest and you'll tell God it doesn't feel good all the time. We get to repeating those song titles and those cliches. And we we hear these preachers stomp and carry on and and rant and, 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 and sum up the world in little bitty cliches. Let go and let God. Well, God, I let go, but you hadn't done anything. You hadn't taken hold. You see... You can't live the Christian life with somebody else's cliche you got to if you're going to grow spiritually you've got to be honest Jesus could read your thoughts from across an infinite universe it won't hurt you to be honest if you're gonna grow you're gonna have to be honest you can't you can't fix what you can't talk about in your marriage you can't fix what you can't talk about with your children you can't fix what you can't talk about in your church and i've been in a lot of churches in the past 17 years folks don't fix what they don't talk about if you're going to be spiritual you're going to have to be honest god can take it and you have to be honest But there's another lesson I've learned here. And quite honestly, this isn't as much fun as the first one. You're going to have to be honest with God. But secondly, you better expect God to be honest with you. In verse 19, therefore, says the Lord, if you return. I will restore you. The word return and restore come out of the same root word. What God is saying to Jeremiah is, Jeremiah, if you'll change, I'll change. If you'll get right, you'll find your circumstance. I'll make your circumstances different, Jeremiah. You see, the problem is, Jeremiah, you're not right, so you can't expect things to go right. God's being honest with Jeremiah. God's saying to Jeremiah, things aren't right. You see, Jeremiah is accusing God of being deceptive. He's accusing God of being unfaithful. And God is saying to Jeremiah, you're the one that needs to change, Jeremiah. When you change, you're going to find your circumstances change. Jeremiah, you need to repent. And in that word, return and restore, is the root idea of repent. Jeremiah, you need to repent. What does Jeremiah need to repent of? It's his heart. You see, he's a preacher. He's been doing right. He's been preaching what God gave him to preach. He's been saying the words, but his heart has become cold. He's he's let his heart grow far from God. Jeremiah's showing a lack of trust, a lack of faith. He's been preaching that people ought to repent. That's his whole message. Y'all need to repent you got this idolatry and you got this dependence on foreign countries instead of God. And and you need to repent. You need to turn from that. But in Jeremiah's heart, he's become the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. He's got to repent too. His pig pen's internal. His, his, His sin is what you can't see him do, but the way his heart is. And that's more common among us than any other kind of sin. You can hear it in verse 15 if you listen for it. There he's afraid God is going to be so patient with the people he's preaching to that they're going to keep on abusing him. He wants God to judge them. It's the same thing Jonah's afraid of when he should have been rejoicing in God's patience because he's the beneficiary of a patient God just as they are. His heart is far from God. And God is saying, when you get your heart right, your circumstances are going to change. i I'll be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed in God here. If i had been the Lord, I wouldn't have handled it quite like this. I'd put my arm around Jeremiah and I'd say, that's all right, son, it's going to be okay. You hang in there. It'll get better. You just let go and let God. But no, you and I live in a world, and we can look around, and we know the world needs to repent, don't we? We can see this wicked world. But let me tell you something. Repentance begins in your heart. It doesn't begin in this world around you. It begins in your heart. And my heart, Rosalind Goforth and her husband Jonathan Goforth were missionaries in the late 1800s to, to the Far East. And they initiated a revival at one time in North, what we call North Korea today that was so powerful that one soul was saved every 45 minutes around the clock for six years. But let me tell you about Rosalind Goforth. She was known for her ability to preach to women. And one day she heard some Chinese women talking about her. She overheard them saying, boy, she can really preach. Too bad she doesn't live like it. And God broke her heart and changed her heart. It starts with you and with me in our heart. We can be honest with God, but then we can expect Him to be honest with us. Now, if you want to look at this sermon like a flight to Dallas, this is like the Dallas airport. It's a long runway and a short flight. I've been, I've been preaching just to get to what I'm about to tell you. I, I've got the preliminaries out of the way now. Now we can take off. Here's the third thing that I brought up out of the mind. You and I must extract, according to verse 19, the precious from the worthless. Did you see what it says? There, if you return... I will restore you, you. Before me, you will stand. If you extract the precious from the worthless, you will be my spokesman. Now, if you're reading an English Standard Bible, a Holman Christian Standard Bible, a New International Vi- Version, you have it wrong this morning. They do not translate those words. They interpret those words. The assumption of those translators was that it was Jeremiah's speech that God was correcting. It's not Jeremiah's speech. Those words are not tied to what Jeremiah is saying. The King James Bible, the New American Standard that I'm reading this morning, nail it dead on. The idea there is that Jeremiah's heart is wrong. God is saying to Jeremiah, and he uses a, uh, a mining analogy, where ore comes up out of the ground and is refined. If you will extract the precious from the worthless, then you can be my spokesman. Now listen to me. In Jeremiah's experience, it felt worthless. He was by himself. He was alone. He was abused and beaten. You can find record of that. He, he, he had called on God and not gotten help. His wounds wouldn't heal. Everything about it seemed worthless. And God says, look here, if you can extract the precious out of the worthless, then I'm going to use you. I want you to know That in every worthless experience, there's something precious. In the weeks, around the turn of this year, just after Mary died, I came to this passage because of the way it opens. I've always loved the Word of God. And I said to the Lord, I found your words, and I ate them. I internalized it. And I continued to read, and then I realized oh, my, in this worthless experience, there have been some precious things. And God, God began to show me the precious things that came out of the worthless. Jeremiah is crying out to God, Lord, this is worthless. I'm, I, I'm by myself, I'm all alone, I'm isolated. It's, it's just awful, Lord watch this Jeremiah sees the worthless and overlooks the precious it's he says, Lord they're they're ignoring me they they've shunned me they've treated me like somebody that owes them money or somebody they owe money they won't have anything to do with me Lord it's worthless Lord what Jeremiah missed the precious thing is now jeremiah knows how they treated the lord jeremiah is said lord you don't understand how this feels when he should have said lord finally i understand how you feel you see he had the precious opportunity to identify with what the lord was getting out of those people the way they were treating him let me show you Another example of it, Jeremiah complains of isolation. I sat alone, he said. That sounds worthless, that loneliness. You may leave here today and go to an empty house, you think? But I'm going to tell you, it won't be empty when you get there. He's going to be there. He's going with you. He's going to meet you there. Jeremiah's whining about sitting alone when he wasn't he missed the precious presence of God there with him just as he was with the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace God was with Jeremiah but he missed it because he's focused on being alone let me tell you a secret that Jeremiah knew but he forgot Jeremiah could have been the life of of the party surrounded by a loving group of friends but he'd be much without the lord he'd be much better off with just him and god the the secret is you're better off alone with jesus than you are surrounded by everybody else and not being able to hear his voice let me show you, Jeremiah says to God, this hurts, this, there's pain in this. this, my wounds won't heal, I, 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 I I, I'm not getting well, it's physical pain, and it's it's worthless, is that right? You know what the precious thing Jeremiah missed, the precious thing that Jeremiah missed was it. Was that God manifests Himself through weakness and pain? The Apostle Paul taught us that. Take this thorn in the flesh away from me, Lord. He prayed three times. And then he says, My strength, or my your God's strength is perfected in my weakness. Here's the beauty of it. Here's the precious thing. Jeremiah was in pain. He thought it was worthless, but it's precious that Jeremiah's pain is the source of God's strength in his life. Godliness doesn't come from health godliness comes from weakness one of the most godly things I've ever seen was a precious Christian saint enduring the indignities of terminal illness with the gracious loving spirit of Jesus Christ you see Power is perfected in weakness, not in strength. It's perfected in pain, not in joy. Jeremiah says God's faithfulness isn't real in verse 18. Will you become and will you indeed become to me like a deceptive stream with water that's unreliable? He's accusing God of being unfaithful because God's not doing what God said he was going to do. When you think about it, this is kind of funny. Jeremiah wouldn't have laughed. He probably laughs today. You see, Jeremiah's a prophet. You know what that means, don't you? That means he's telling people that God's going to do things that God is not going to do for hundreds, and in some cases, thousands, and in some cases, God hadn't even done those things yet. And he's complaining about God not doing what he said. Jeremiah gets the opportunity to grow in one of the greatest Christian virtues. Lord, you promised, he whines, and you haven't done it. He gets a chance to grow in patience. He gets a chance to understand what it was going to be like when we read Isaiah, when for 600 years they read Isaiah and wondered when the virgin was going to give birth. Jeremiah gets to understand that. He he gets to grow in that godly virtue of patience. He misses that, that precious development of patience. I witnessed early in my ministry a prayer group formed in a church. And this prayer group had one purpose. They, that prayer group never prayed for anybody's sickness. Even when their members went to the hospital, they wouldn't pray for their own members. That prayer group formed for one purpose. My first church, and I was a little suspicious of, what these people were praying for they managed to do it without me and I thought it couldn't have been done well if I wasn't a part of it but I remember they prayed only for one thing they had a list of names of lost people in that community and that's all they would pray for week in and week out I remember the phone call 20 years later when the last person on the list was saved you see Jeremiah had a a precious opportunity to learn that kind of patience but he focused on the worthless let me close this up by saying to you how do you do this how do you extract the precious from the worthless well, first you do what Jeremiah did. You get honest with God. You, you say to God, this, Lord, this isn't working out right. This isn't, I don't like this. Lord, take this away. You do what, Jer- what, what Paul did and say, Lord, please take this away. This is terrible. You say to me, well, I think we ought to pray scripture. Well, you can find plenty of scriptures where people are praying just like that. You can find it in David and Isaiah and Jeremiah and the apostle Paul. First, you get honest with God. Then secondly, you ask God to show you what is precious in your struggles. Ask Him for the discernment to be able to tell the precious from the worthless. We get, we get focused on the worthless. That's why we're so upset at the things that happen in our nation today. We focus on the worthless and we forget And among, among all of those Worthless activities. There are people with souls that are precious to God, and we focus on the worthless. You ask God to show you what, what, what's wor- what's precious in all of all the struggles you face. And second, thirdly, rather, you write those things down. You begin to keep note of them. You, if you want to, post them on social media. Put them on Facebook if you want to but you keep a record of them this is what God's done this was hard but this is what God taught me this is difficult but this is how God brought me through it you begin to keep a record let me tell you why that's important that's important because that's how you become God's spokesman to the next generation your children need to hear you say, this was horrible, but God taught me this. Your grandchildren need to hear you say, this was the most terrible thing, but let me show you what God did. And in that way, you raise up another generation that'll be able to look at what God does and say, God, you're, you're bringing things to pass that I don't understand. God, I, can, I, I remember when my grandmother told me this. I remember when my grandfather testified about going through something like this. You've become God's spokesman to the next generation. And finally, you align your heart with God's heart. It's not enough for you to abstain from those wicked sinful behaviors you see in this lost world but you need to align your heart with God's heart because God is ready to say if you'll return I'll restore you Jeremiah hears from God that his future ministry depends on on the alignment of his heart he needs to have his heart right with god his grandchildren and children need that the future needs that let me just in closing tell you this 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 thing about extracting the precious from the worthless you know what that is don't you that's a picture of the cross There's never been a more vile, worthless, painful, hateful expression of the human race than the cross of Jesus Christ. The utter vileness of every heart in this room is exposed there on the cross. And out of it comes the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you and I can look at that and we can extract the precious salvation that comes from the cross. But it goes a step further it's a picture of what God does in heaven you see in heaven when he takes you to heaven he's gonna leave your sins here the worthless is going to be left behind the precious the heart that trusted him is going to be taken the heart that leans on him depends on him he's going to take that but he's going to leave the lies you told behind they're not going that's one of the thing things that makes heaven heaven is the fact that God will extract the precious in this world from the worthless in August of this past year Jenny Stevens got married her dad had died and a man named arthur thomas walked her down the aisle ten years earlier jenny's dad had been shot to death by a man that mugged him when it came time for jenny to get married she looked around for someone to give her away and arthur thomas was the only man for her because in arthur thomas's chest beat her dad's heart her dad had been an own organ donor and Arthur Thomas had received a new heart from Jenny's dad and on her wedding day resplendent in her bridal gown radiant with love on her face she put her hand on the chest of Arthur Thomas and she felt her dad's heart they extracted the precious from the worthless and it served his daughter it became a picture of what God has done for you and me on the cross maybe you've been down in the mine let me tell you there's some precious things down in there I've learned there's some precious things down in there. We just need to extract the precious from the worthless. Let's pray together.